Mosey Nation, what's up? This is the second part of my interview with slash coaching call <laughs> with Ben and Charlie uh, from Charisma on Command. In this section, we talk about three main things. One is my business equation for what I think about uh, in terms of how to build amazing and wonderful businesses that spit off cash flow like clockwork. Secondly, how to look for and hire amazing talent so they can actually run that machine for you. And then finally, the meaning of life according to Aristotle, which is uh, one, of my, one of my grandfathers, one of my good homies. Uh, and so I hope you guys buckle up and enjoy part two. Not that you're going to be the best in the world at this one thing. It's that if you can be decent at seven things, you'll be number one at those seven things when combined. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. And so, Can you give a concrete example of what like... Uh, not even necessarily a gym launch, yeah. but like a, how a fitness trainer, yeah. you know, somebody who like understands like, dude, you're going to have to eat healthy foods. That's going to suck. Yeah. You're going to have to exercise. Like, how can this person talk about something as difficult to, to transform as physical fitness, which is diet sure. and exercise? Yeah. How, how can they talk about it and, and create a product that beats other physical fitness yeah. trainers? So the first like step one is delineating every single problem that the person is going to encounter, all the changes that they're going to have to have, the efforts and the sacrifice, things that they have to start doing, things they have to stop doing, right? And so the things that they have to start doing, it's like they have to, like, if we're going sequence here, right? They're going to leave with some sort of plan of some sort. Now, hopefully you have that, building them a plan as part of the thing that you're selling them, right? But after yeah. that, they're then going to have to go to the grocery store. So we have to ask the questions. How are they going to know which store to go to? Uh, are they going to have to go to multiple stores? When they go to the store, how are they going to find the things they're looking for? What brands are they going to need to buy? How much of them, right? All of those questions arise. These are all the things people get stuck on. So it's like, okay, well, then how can I solve this problem of grocery shopping? I haven't even gotten to- like one-click grocery delivery or something. Like, you know, you got the plan. I'm just going to send the food to your house. Or I'm going to send the food in a chef to your house. Or I'm going to send- Yes. Yeah, so here, so I'm going to, so I'm going to take the grocery store example. So in the book, I have the delivery cube, which is the six different ways you can look different lenses. You can look at the product through, right? Um, but just, just for groceries, because this is the first problem. We haven't even gotten to cooking. We haven't gotten to meal prepping it out. We haven't gotten to actually showing up with the first workout, just groceries. All right. So if I were trying to help them with this one problem, I could say, okay, well, uh, I could have a, a, a do it yourself grocery calculator that I could build so that it would adjust based on their weight and their goals, and their calories, and it would adjust for them. Another way is I could already have a pre-made book uh, based on the weeks that they could they could go through and buy that way. I could do a, uh, a grocery store tour, right, where I take a big group of them out and we go buy groceries together. I could record that tour and give that as a virtual product. I could put people together as a buddy system and say, hey, you're not going to go, but you're going to go with an alumni and you're going to go together. And you're going to do that for the first two months of working with me until you have the skill, right? Or I could personally take them grocery shopping. Or to your point, I could pre-make the list, load it in Instacart, and then send it to their house. I could also create a, 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 an alliance or an affiliation with some sort of meal prep company as, a, as an additional solution that would be done for you, right? So like all of these are just different ways. I mean, another one would be, because I'm have i just going through the delivery cube in my head. If I said, okay, you can go grocery shopping, but I will be on call for phone or tech support at any time if you get stuck during your shopping experience. I won't be with you, but I will be there to support you. And you can text me a picture of anything and I'll immediately respond to you. One of the books that has had a ton of influence on me is Essentialism. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've read it, but it's the, the disciplined idea of, of less is mm -hmm. more. How does that idea, because it seems like it may compete with this, you know, the idea that, being there all the time, having 10 different eBooks for this person potentially to read and six different numbers that they can call and all of this stuff. Yeah. Do you see that as being competitive with this idea of solving every micro problem that this person might experience in their, in their journey? 
I don't think it is. I'm trying to think about the nuance between the difference because when I delineate all of these different things that we just said as a different ideas of mm -hmm. how we would solve that problem, we would through trial and error, figure out what the highest likelihood success. So like if I had to pick out of all of these, Got it. the most likely would be I preload Instacart with their stuff. Got it. That would be the Got most, it, which likely, is right. Simple. Yeah. Simple. Not at the grocery but store. Not answering through that, questions. And we're just yeah. using this as an ideation process for everyone who's listening. So you can Got think it. about whatever problem you're trying to solve. There is a unique way to solve the problem that the prospect more importantly will perceive as an easy solution. And to your point, every single time we've made iterations in our services um, and we have education components for our licensing business, right? Every new uh, improved version of it gets shorter, not longer. It's always mm -hmm. become less. And that's why the book was small because it took me four versions of the book to get it down to 160 pages. So that I, my goal was that someone could read it in one sitting. That was the goal of the book yep. for me. And I, each of the books that'll happen. I, think I did. That. Yeah, <laughs> I that was the I goal. And so, so a hundred percent in terms of simplicity. Um, but for you, from the ideation process, the ideation process, you can be all over the place. But then that's why the, the fourth step is trim and stack. Is how am I going to trim and trim and trim down to the few things that have the absolute most value uh, or perceived value in the prospect's mind? And then once you go through a handful of customers, you'll also learn more and get feedback and say, they're still having trouble with this. I have to somehow retweak this solution. And this one, they don't value, so I can cut it out. And this is requiring, it sounds like, real-time or at least survey interaction with your customers so that you're seeing, like, one, what are these problems? I didn't even think of grocery shopping as a problem, you know, so I've got to be next to them or asking them these sorts of questions. And yep. then receiving or soliciting feedback of how did that go? What did you like? Those sorts of things go into the, the final version of the product. Yeah, and especially for newer entrepreneurs, I, I tend to be – I tend to believe in kind of like the Tesla ideology of starting at the top of the pyramid and then working your way down. So, they, you know, the Tesla – first Tesla Roadster was like whatever, $500,000, whatever. It was a lot of money, right? And then the next one was – I think it was 250000 The next thing they came out with was the $100,000 car. And then, you know, years later, they came out with the, the $30,000 version. And so I think that people would be best served starting with done-for-you kind of operationally heavy solutions for people. And that's because you simply don't know enough. And so it's, it's do the expensive quote consulting work that is not scalable to get paid to learn more about how to solve problems for your prospects so that you will be able to then have a, a brand story, right, for yourself about how you started at this price anchor and how you can provide this level because it's anchored to this price of value at a lower mid-tier price, which might be a done with you rather than done for you solution um, with all of the learnings you have from. And this mirrors the experience that I had, which is like, I had six gyms, and then I did two years doing turnarounds where I flew out and actually literally did every aspect of it before I was like, okay, our licensing solution will work for gyms. Whereas the vast majority mm -hmm. of people are like, well, he's doing a licensing thing. I'll do a licensing thing. But they didn't do the path that got us there, and that's why they don't replicate the success. Yep, makes sense. Ben, I know that you'd wanted to ask about <laughs> yes. personal business questions. I do. So this is where we use our podcast in order to get coaching that would otherwise be quite expensive. <laughs> but go ahead. Listen, go ahead, Ben. This is a question for everyone in the audience that has a 5 million subscriber YouTube channel and has burned out from writing. So for all, for all of those people listening, the question is, uh, we have made 300 plus videos and to date, it has been the engine of our business. That's how we form a relationship with people, create credibility and create desire for mastering charisma. And then we give them the program that masters charisma. Uh, I am curious because we have tried to hire for a number of roles. We thought, well, maybe the, the YouTube channel doesn't have to be the backbone of 
the company. Maybe we can just get a really good marketer. And so we did a multi-month search, pretty much got my ideal person if I could have before the search. Like I, I was like, oh, I would love to poach this person. We got that person, but it, it didn't end up working out. And then I've secondly um, been, it's been hard to find someone who can write content at the level that we would be proud to publish it. And so the, the getting out of the business from the bottom rung and being an owner and a strategist like you mm -hmm. are has been something I've personally struggled with. And I was curious, how do you find the right people? Because I know your big thing is I don't hire talented people who I need to train. I hire people with pre-existing skills. How, how do you go about that? Because it has been something that I have either misjudged in the sense that I went, this person's going to crush it. They have the pre-existing right. skills. Or I've gone, I don't know how to find someone with the pre-existing skill of knows a ton about charisma and is good at writing scripts. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious if you have any suggestions so, or advice on ways I might go about this. And I will, I will answer this as a off the cuff of me thinking through it out loud, uh, rather than saying this sure, is the, sure. to, you know, Alex's definitive answer. If I were in this position, when I'd be thinking through like, well, Justin Bieber is like, I just can't find someone to sing like I can on stage so that I can mm -hmm. outsource my Justin Bieber brand. Um, you know what I mean? So like sometimes I think there are some businesses that are more and more difficult to do that with. Yeah. I feel, I feel like a mix of a business and an artist. Yeah. And I think that's normal. And so I think, um, the first thing that I would do is I'd see if I could chunk, chunk down the, the actual activities. Are you familiar with Naval Ravikant? I, I, I talk about some of his stuff cause I like his stuff a lot, but he talks about mm -hmm. specific knowledge being not that you're going to be the best in the world at this one thing. It's that if you can be decent at seven things, when you combine those seven things, that's what creates, you'll be number one at those seven things when combined, right? And so I think sure. a lot of entrepreneurship and why you guys have been exceptional at your thing is that you were good on camera, you understand script writing, you also understand YouTube, you're also like good looking young guy, like, you know what I mean? There's, there's all, and then when you combine all those things, then you become, boom, number one at, at this type of thing. And so if I could chunk yeah. down, because you're not going to be find, be able to find a, a you because there's only one of you, right? But if, can I find the number one at these seven or eight skills that I put together? And it might take a village to, to mm. try and replace you. And I'll say within the business that I had on the licensing side, it took me two years to replace my, like it was a two year long process to replace me. And, and I, I, I speak candidly about the fact that the, now part of this might've been because there was this pandemic that went around at the same time as I stepped <laughs> down. So that might've influenced the, the, you know, the income numbers. So that's not a slight at the team or I'm saying this because my team might also listen to this. Um, <laughs> but I was willing to make the trade off to get the time back. Right. I was willing to make mm -hmm. half as much from that particular entity in order to get 100% of the time that I was, you know, not hundred, 90% of the time that I was allocating there. So how do you do it? Um, I think you chunk down and then you'll still be left with something. And so this might be the one fallacy that I can hopefully share is that we have this illusion as entrepreneurs that we're going to quote, replace ourselves and turn our business into passive income, right? It is my opinion that nothing is passive and it's just, you have varying degrees of active. And so mm -hmm. even, even if I were to somehow, you know, roll everything into one person who all of my companies rolled into, so I would replace myself, Right. Well, who does that person report to? <laughs> right. And so like you're, you're, you're only just, you're consolidating, you're aggregating, but never really eliminating. And I think that simply mm. eliminating the false, the fallacy, the false belief that, that we are failing at complete passiveness somehow sometimes can solve the problem by realizing that it's not a problem to be solved, but just something that needs to be diminished. And it's not a binary of yes or no, but to what degree it's a continuum.
And I think if, if you How? shift that way, then you can look back two years from now and say, am I more or less involved in the business than I was? And if the answer is mm-hmm. I am 50% or 75% less involved in the business and we're still making the same money, then I would say I'm doing a great job. I'm going to keep yeah, doing yeah. this direction rather than I'm not passive yet. I suck. Sure. Well, I've, I'm much less active and Ben is much more active. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it turns out there's not just one of us. There's success. two of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, what, in terms of hiring, do you have tips? And I, I believe that I, I've heard you again, I've heard, kind of heard you speak about this, but wanted to ask for clarification. Yeah. I think so many things in business are you developed an instinct and you just kind of know after a lot of time and that's life as well. But in terms of knowing if you've got the right person for the job, about how much time do you feel like is appropriate before you get that, that instinct that, and allow it to kick in? And are, do you have any tips and tricks or particular things to look for, uh, to know if this is someone who needs time and TLC and training, Mm -hmm. or if this is likely to not work out that, that is an area that I think we are very deficient. Oh, I'll hold on. Oh, there's hold on. So many fun things too long. So many fun things on this one. Okay. I'll consolidate some stuff for the audience. So the zero to 1 million is about promotion. All right. One to 10 million is about product. 10 to a hundred million is about people. Right. And so that's the, that is the trajectory that everyone goes through. First, first false belief is that, uh, people are, have like an impeccable picker. You just get better. You never, you never get perfect. Right. Just as the, I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there. It's just that my error rate is lower than it used to be, but it's not that it's somehow like I have eliminated error. I, we still make bad hires, but these are the thought processes. And this is kind of, this might be interesting for you guys is that, uh, resume will have three times the predictive power of interviewing in terms of no kidding. Uh, the success. Yeah. Well, a success of, of people in the role. Now, mind you, in a perfect world, you'd have 10 good resumes and then you pick off of interviews, right? That's kind of the, the that's how you would solve for mm-hmm. both of those, right? Because um, then you'll look for culture fit and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of skills, track record is going to be, is going to be the greatest predictor that they're going to be able to do the same thing again. Right. And so and as specific as possible. So rather than like this person was in marketing, it's this person uh, handled marketing in a, in a YouTube channel that was at 10 million or higher. And so ideally you want someone who's, who's a little bit above where you are, but not so far that they've forgotten where you are now. Hey, Mosey Nation, quick break just to let you know that we've been starting to post on LinkedIn and want to connect with you. All right, so send me a connection request and note letting me know that you listen to the show and I will accept it. If there's anyone you think that we should be connected with, tag them in one of my or Layla's posts and I will give you all the love in the world. All right, so let's get back to the show. So, And you're poaching, it sounds like. You're, oh, like, yeah. you're like finding that 100%. person and they're, they've got a job and they're, you know, and you're going, I want that guy or that gal. Yes, so, and this is again, higher level, right? So it, it, when you're playing beginner, beginner business, um, and I'm saying this with love to all business owners, that's not, I'm not saying it's a pejorative thing, but like when you're going zero to a million, most of the times you gotta, you gotta train people because you kind of can't afford really, really good people. You can't, the business economics mm-hmm. aren't there, right? So you have to take undervalued labor and add value through your own skills. And that's how you end up having still making a profit with low labor costs. Right. And then, you know, at one to 10 million, you can, you can, you can hire people with some level of skill and you can still use job ads and job placements and things like that. And you'll still get decent people. Once you start crossing in the 200,000, $500,000 a year threshold, those people are always employed. They're never not employed. Yeah. They're never not employed. So, and every company that they've ever been employed 
will work really hard to keep them. So those are people that are have to, you've got to trade them out of the position they're in to come to work for you. Now, in terms of the characteristics, I'm going to be borrowing this from Warren Buffett, but I think he's a pretty good source. And so I will share with you what, what he has shared with me personally in our many talks together, <laughs> right? Is that he looks for uh, intelligence, which I define as, uh, I just niche that down to uh, super relevant experience uh, within the and having solved the problem that I'm looking to solve, right? I'm, I'm hiring for solutions. I'm not hiring for for positions. And I mm-hmm. think if we can be very clear about what problem we are trying to solve, we'll be much better at defining the problem so we get much more clear about the solution. So number one is he says intelligence. I just define that a little bit more nuanced to, to has this person solve the problem uh, in a business just like mine. The second is is he calls it energy. I call it work ethic. Right. And the way that you would judge that for me is what's the speed of response when we're interacting with this person? Uh, if I ask them for something, how quickly do they get it to me? Uh, just general communication style, because we like to move quickly. And I know that if they're not moving quickly during the interview process, I'm not going to expect it to move faster afterwards. That is how I measure that. Um, and then the third is character. Right. Which is difficult. Right. He says integrity, but just I would say character in general. And the underpinnings of that, which is the fourth piece, is do they have a long term perspective? Can they think in longer time horizons? And that's so important, especially as you get leadership positions in, because at each level of the business, you're, 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 you're in the beginning, you're replacing tasks, you're replacing doing, right? And then you're replacing managing. And then you're replacing leadership. And then you're replacing vision, innovation, and, um, and decision-making. So each of these levels, right, the things that we're replacing become more intangible and harder to find, which is why most people sure. don't succeed and don't scale their businesses, because it's harder to look for leadership, right? But yeah. that's like the, when, when we're approaching these, these interviews, we keep it front of mind, which is like, what am I looking for right now? They got on the interview because they have the track record. Okay. The correspondence has been speedy-ish. What I'm really looking for is the character that I think can lead this component in the company. And do they have the teeth to really want to drive? Which a lot of people mm-hmm. don't. Got it. Right? And you still, yeah. and you still I mean, get big, it wrong. You just have fewer mistakes. Yeah. The, the, the big thing that, I mean, we, if we shifted, would be to target our outreach much more instead of like posting a job post or like a, even, even a paid job post on LinkedIn, which did net good applicants is to go know the industries that we're looking for a bit better and go like, that's the person that wants to come write my videos or do my thing and, and go track them down and be like, you're the person we want you. What, what do we got to do to yeah, make exactly. this happen? I, I mean, I would say for, for our marketing, for our marketing position, we did offer several hundred grand and we actually did poach. Yeah. Uh, both of our top two candidates were, currently employed. Um, mm-hmm. but we, this is going way off. I don't know if we'll just cut this with the podcast, <laughs> but our, our, we're not willing to do some of the marketing strategies that have been successful at other places. Mm. And so someone might come in and say, Hey, we want to run discounts that only certain people will know about. And so it's not unfair because the other people won't know about it. And we go, yeah. well, pretend everyone knew about it. Would people be upset that this had happened? He goes, yeah, but they're not going to know. And we just, we just don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. And that was not, something I had a good grasp on it was like how exactly this person. So, okay, you took, I'm going to make this up, you know, 2 million to 10 million. What were the exact strategies that you did? I just saw, Oh, you took 2 million to 10 million in a video that sells self-improvement courses, just like us. You're perfect. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think where I, where we are particularly a pain in the butt for marketing people <laughs> is our definition of, of honesty or doing right by clients mm-hmm. is, annoying to most marketing people that we hire. They find it inconvenient and too strict. <laughs> yeah. 
it's short-term, long-term, right? Long-term, mm-hmm. if you thought that long-term, that discount approach would actually net you more money forever, maybe you'd be more inclined to do it. But I don't think you think that. I think that you think that would be a short-term strategy and long-term you'd lose brand equity. For, for both reasons. I, well, even if it would long-term, I don't know. I, like I said, I've solved my money problems. Right. So if, if I'm trading a tiny bit of my own personal morality or integrity for more, it's just like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I really don't need that. Right. Things are too good for me to give a damn. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the other thing. And, and to, you know, to the credit of all the people that have come for us, I've watched a lot of your videos and I, and I go, Alex could help guys with our business, but not with our fucking, <laughs> with, not with our drive. Uh, I've, I've been kicking back and enjoying, and I, I watched your video that you talk about the gym that you worked at where the boss said, be here at 9am and he locked the door and everybody who came in after 9am was fired. And I'm the guy who should, the boss who shows up at 905, you know, <laughs> I just don't set the standard at a level. But what I, what I think is still wonderful uh, and, and that I do like about it is that I think we have a lot of happy people who work here and enjoy working here. And it is, uh, I don't know. I, I like it. I'm not, I'm not too. We'll be aligned. Well, regardless. Yeah. You're not, <laughs> you're not going to show up at nine. Yes, exactly. We've aligned values and, and it, and it probably isn't the value of a hundred million dollar company, but we can grow slowly. Maybe, to, uh, maybe not. To, uh, I mean, there's hedge funds that, that operate that way and they manage zillions of dollars. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I think it's just, I think if you're being integrous to what you believe, then I think that will always win out in the end and you can attract and look for people. I was going to add one more note that I think might be valuable for you in terms of the interviewing process. But my wife talks about this a lot. Layla, if you see her channel, her channel is super, super like, it's really good on building infrastructure because that's how the companies that we all, <laughs> she's really the one who's building that. But yeah. What is, what is her channel? Shout out. Layla Hormozzi. It's my name oh, with not Layla in front of it. Um, oh, you go. guys got to find a way to do it. It's so funny, man, because you you now pop up on my homepage. This is a YouTube thing. If you ever want to chat YouTube, by the way, I don't know if you have somebody that's helping you. I'm happy to sit down and, and talk thumbnails, titles, all that kind of I'm stuff. I'm sure it's if, horrible if it's what I have. So, yeah, would love <laughs> <laughs> well, It can definitely help because it's also interesting that she's not popping up on my homepage given how much similarity there is. YouTube would imagine. So there's, there's some things that you guys can do to cross pollinate as well. Sweet. I appreciate it. She says this process and I like it a lot is that she uses the interview process. And one point you're saying directly reach out. You can also just hire a headhunter. So at this point now, we just have several headhunting firms that we know that are reputable. We know the owners and we just, they know exactly what Mm -hmm. we're looking for. And so it makes it so much faster and easier for us because I just write a check and the problem solved. And I have, and I have three beautiful candidates and we make a pick. It's just, it's just way faster that way. And sometimes the people that like, so I just hired, I'll tell you guys, this is cool. So on Monday, um, my new executive assistant starts very excited about this. She was, um, Sheldon Adelson's, uh, assistant, uh, for 10 years. And he just recently passed. So this wasn't, so she happened to have been on the job market at the exact moment that I needed an executive assistant. And for those who don't know, he was a, he's worth $33 billion. So I'm not quite there. Um, but hopefully I'll learn from some stuff from her, but, but yeah, like those people exist. It's crazy. And using the interview process itself as a learning process for you. So when you talk to, let's say 10 of these high level marketing people and you ask, no, specifically, what would you do? Because that is part of our interview process. I want to know specifically what you would do. We like, we had one guy who's like, well, I'm not going to share that with you until you hire me. We're like, "Eh, next, right? (laughs) So another guy, and then he wrote this massive thing about how we were horrible and it's so unprofessional to expect that. And I was like, thank God we didn't hire you. And so, (laughs) so the other guys were all like, I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. And the thing is, is by the 10th interview, we've got a list of like 30 really good ideas. And we have uh, other guys who are like, what do you think about this? It's like, oh, I have experience with those things. So the interviews get better and better and better as we get more really nuanced uh, information and solutions from people who have already done it. And so we actually get, it's like a two-sided learning process. And I think that 
even thinking about it that way shifts the perspective of like, God, it's just such a waste of time me interviewing all these people to this is a learning process for me just as much as it is an interview for them. Mm, cool. Interesting. Is there, did you have other stuff that you wanted to do on the hiring piece? I know that that was a, a big thorn in your side. I wish there were a magic cure. You know, I think what I've been, <laughs> I've been aiming for what you described, which is you're not going to get the person, but maybe you can get someone that takes half the work away. And so that's what I've shifted what I'm aiming for. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be able to just send a title and a topic and have them write it, record it, send it over to our editor and I'm not involved, but maybe they can do a bunch of early research and a first draft such that I do half the work. So that's, that is where I'm actually leaning. I was just kind of hoping you'd have some magic Alex Ramosi bullet that I didn't know about where I could clone myself, but lobotomize him. So he loves working and hates fun. Um, <laughs> but he hates money until I he can, hates money until I can do that. No, he, yeah. he loves, yeah, he hates, he hates money. He hates sunshine and surfing, but he's my clone. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think to, like your, your advice is exactly what I'm going to try to pursue. So it's comforting to know that that's in, at least in the right direction. So, okay, well then, then I'll, then I'll start to bring us back, uh, home and we can wind down with, uh, sort of a follow-up. You talked about, you know, uh, flying private is really cool. All this stuff is really cool. You're getting to do what you like. I, I, without using the term happy, but I will use the term happy, maybe joy is a better word. What is bringing you joy? What is working? Cause like you said, you've solved your money problems and these are the problems that you're, that you're solving now is, is, are these interviews and, and these kinds of, uh, making videos for acquisition and those challenges, do you find that, uh, joyous? Have you, have you found a way to solve your, I don't know, joy problem that, that all humans face now that you're really, yeah probably more heavily focused on that. So I've been um, looking into this a lot. And this is probably, um, I would say probably 25 to 30% of my time is focused on kind of these types of questions. Um, mm -hmm. And so what's really interesting is that I think Aristotelian, um, so Aristotle, like kind of made this, this point and it was actually gave me a lot of solace in thinking about it. Um, but it was that you cannot see whether a man's life was well lived until after he is, he's dead. And I thought that was, for me, it actually gave me a lot of comfort because it was like, so then I, it, it decreases the pressure that I have in terms of how to always try and create meaning because meaning is actually tr created posthumously. So rather than think as I'm doing something, is this thing meaningful? Instead, I could finish my week and then look back and say, I will ascribe this meaning to these activities. Mm -hmm. And that, that has actually been very helpful for me. Um, in terms of the meaning in life, I, I'm borrowing this from a friend of mine, um, uh, who, who quoted Albert Camus, who's a, a, a Moroccan, I believe, a yeah. Moroccan uh, philosopher. And he said, the meaning of life is the reason you don't kill yourself. And it's not super, it's super morbid, but it's also kind of true, right? Like whatever the reason we get, like what, like if you think of it, like, why would I not do that? It's like, well, whatever the actual first or second answer that you have is your meaning. And I thought that that was actually really, really powerful. So for me, that was also very, very uh, useful. And then the third, what did you come up with for that? The game. Oh, the game, the game, just the, the game is, is in and of itself is I love the game. pleasurable. A joy. I love the yeah, game and my it. wife, Layla, I would, and, I would <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in that order. Yeah. <laughs> she's part of the game. She's, she's got yeah. a YouTube channel. As no, well. Layla's awesome. Like Layla. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to selfishly take the next 60 seconds for everybody who's, who's, um, who's deciding on like who their life partner is going to be. And I call it that way rather than like spouse or wife or husband, because I think it is really life partner. Um, I'm such a proponent of loving logically. And I know that's, uh, that's, that's a oxymoron, you know, in, as most people understand it, but I think that 
arranged marriages make a lot of sense. <laughs> like, cause parents look like you could, you probably know your friends and see some of the people they're dating. Like, what are they thinking? Right? Like this, what an idiot. Why? All the time. All the time. And the thing is, is that sometimes you're that friend. Right. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I think that like the biggest, the second biggest risk I've taken in my life besides quitting the job that I did was when Layla and I got married, I was petrified because I was like, I can't believe I'm adult enough to actually do this and make this decision. This is insane. How, how are they letting me do this? Really? No, <laughs> yeah. really. And I was like, I can't believe that I can actually just choose to marry someone. This sounds insane. Right. Yeah. Um, but the reason I was able to move forward with it and I wasn't able to move forward in the past is that logically my logic brain kept stepping in whenever I had these relationships that I was like really passionate and love and all this stuff and this chemistry. Right. And it, I was just like, but this doesn't make sense. They don't like the stuff I like. You know what I mean? I would just think, I was like, but they don't like, like, it would always be like, okay, done talking about business. Now let's talk about what I like to talk about. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to stop talking about what I want to stop talking about. I don't want to compromise. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like for me, what we, what with Layla is I kind of have a, a life without compromise. Like I was like, this is exactly how I want to live. Do you want to do that? And I remember when I was dating, people were like, that's so selfish and one-sided and you're never going to find anybody who likes that. And I was like, well, I only need to find one. And yeah, that's what I think that. people miss. It's like, that in the past. it's like, it's like, well, what's the likelihood that you find? I'm like, I only need one. N equals one is all I have to find. So it's okay that it's an outlier. I expect it to be an outlier. It should be an outlier, but it doesn't mean I can't find it. It just means it'll take me longer. And so I would just say this for everyone, so, like the single most important decision I think that we make in terms of subjective well-being, and that's supported with data is that you have a 0.71 correlation to your, to your own subjective well-being based on the strength of your relationship with your significant other. And so for me, I've taken the, they're in the business with me approach. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying that is what worked for me because I could have this shared experience and we're aligned in where we're trying to go. And we both are exposed to the same stimuli. So we grow together in that direction. And that has been very valuable to me. Interesting. No, I, we've, we've talked about compromises regards relationships in the past and it is a, uh, Sticky question. You know, a lot of people tell you that compromise is the bedrock of relationships. And that has always, for me, gone, it's not been the bedrock of my friendships. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has not been like, it has been not at all, uh, really, in my friendships. Almost never in my friendships is there a compromise. It's just shared desire to do and not do the same when types of things. So why would that be completely different in a relationship? Uh, and then, you know, there's a bunch of reasons that are offered that, that tend not to make a ton of sense. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's something that I, that I have not gotten to the bottom of, but it, we've, we've discussed in the past here and, and I've felt similarly that compromise sounds like a dirty word to me <laughs> sometimes. Um, anything else that you wanted to, to get to before we hop off, Ben? No, nothing comes to mind. Yeah. I want you to let you do, uh, you know, I, I'll shout you out. I think your channel is awesome. Uh, have, have gotten a lot out of it myself. It has really crystallized why we are at the level that we are at and why we are growing at the speed, which is still good. We're still growing, but why we're, you know, not parabolic at this point, because I'm going, oh, uh, you know, that's what would be required. And it totally makes sense. Uh, so no matter where you're at, I think one of the cool things is that you can't always tell with Alex's channel immediately, whether it's a video for somebody who's just getting started or somebody who is making three, five, ten million million. And there's tons of value at every single level. So it's Alex Harmozy on YouTube. Anything else you want people to check out? Uh, there's the books, 99 cents uh, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's about $100 million offers. Uh, I'll be making nine more books uh, in the series. Each book comes with a course that's free. It's on my site, acquisition.com. You don't have to opt in for anything. So it's it's there. You can just consume everything. There's downloads, checklists, everything for, for making the offer that you have more compelling. So you get more people to say yes at higher prices. 
Yep. And uh, like I, I've, I've gone through the one course that was up when I last checked. And those are, you know, if you, if you like reading, check the book. If you like, if you like watching videos, go to acquisition.com. It's all awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate having Thank me. Thank you guys so much. It was an honor to be here.